Worship songwriters. There are some trends in worship songwriting right now that are sort of the equivalent of parachute pants. They might be cool for a little bit, but you shouldn't waste your time getting into them. Let's talk about it. Hello and welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. Today we're going to talk about songwriting and how to be timeless rather than trendy. But before we do, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free 45-minute video, Five Elements of a Full-Sounding Worship Team. It's perfect for your worship team members to understand what their role is in any given song and what their role is not, so that they don't get in each other's way. It's also perfect for sound engineers to know how to achieve balance between those five elements when they know what those five elements are. So make sure to go and get access to that free training. And without any further ado, let's get to today's topic. As I listen to new worship songs, I notice some trends. And right now, some things that are popular that aren't necessarily good songwriting. And I want something better for you and your songs. I want your songs to last 10, 15 years instead of three to five. But to do that, you have to have some solid foundations about what makes good songwriting. And that's what we're going to talk about today in part two of Why Modern Worship Songs Disappoint. Today, we're going to be contrasting two songs, Amazing Grace, written by John Newton, and a song that I wrote called Astounded in the Infinite. Again, I'm using Amazing Grace not because all hymns are better than all new songs. I don't believe that. Amazing Grace is a fantastic song. Obviously, it has proven itself over hundreds of years. And also, copyright laws means that I don't have to pay for it. So let's take a look at the first lyric of Amazing Grace compared to my first lyric. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found, was blind, but now I see. Lovely. So here's the song I wrote called Astounded in the Infinite, first verse and chorus. Beyond my comprehension, much more than I could know, too vast for me to mention, your love will overflow. No poet penned the passages, no writer could inscribe your mercy's thoughts and messages when you gave your life for mine. Unthinkable grace, unshakable faith, ineffable peace poured out for me. Okay, so it's a little over the top, especially ineffable, which I had to look up means uh, too wonderful for description. So here's the first rule that Amazing Grace gets right and my song Astounded in the Infinite gets wrong. Don't tell the audience there are no words. Make them feel speechless. This is such a, such a typical thing for songwriters to do. If you've been a songwriter for longer than two songs, you will have gotten to the point where you didn't feel like you could actually describe your feelings. Um, that's okay to feel that way, but don't tell the audience that there are no words when you're about to use a bunch of words. For example, in Astounded in the Infinite, I've underlined all of the words that, um, that show that I'm struggling for grip. Beyond my comprehension, much more than I could know, too vast for me to mention. No poet penned the passages no writer could inscribe. Unthinkable grace, ineffable peace. Yeah, for being speechless, that's a lot of syllables to say that you don't have the words, right? Not, not that helpful to the, to the listener. But let's think about Jesus' approach. 
So Jesus knows better than anyone that's ever walked the planet how indescribable heaven is. And yet look at the descriptions he chose. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. The kingdom of heaven is like a pearl of great price. Or talking about heaven, in my father's house there are many rooms. Right? Yeah? It's it's the understatement of all time. In my father's house, there are many rooms speaking about heaven, which is infinite, right? So Jesus, being God on earth, he could have just stood up there in front of everyone and said, you're never going to get it. It is so ineffable. It's indescribable. It's un, unimaginable. It's beyond anything that you could possibly... Okay, yeah, okay, all right, all right, I get it. That's true. And yet Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. He made it very earthy and very plain and very humble in the way that he described it. Isn't that just like him? So why, why are we trying to gild the lily and put on all of these airs about how undescribable something is when we could have gotten small and chosen to describe one portion of what we want to talk about, rather than just throwing up our hands lyrically and saying, oh, it's impossible to describe. That's not your job as a songwriter. Your job as a songwriter is to find the words. Let's go to rule number two. When looking for your words, the simple word is best. So let's take a look at Amazing Grace again. Amazing Grace, we're going to set that top lyric aside for a second, but moving on. Sweet, sound, saved, wretch, lost, found, blind, and see. These are simple, clear, one-syllable words that get straight to the point and straight to the meaning. By contrast, astounded in the infinite, let's look at some of the words I underlined. Comprehension, mention, passages, inscribe, unthinkable, unshakable, ineffable. Each of these words could have been simpler, and so let's, let's do just that. Let's make it a little simpler. Comprehension could have been the word knowing. Mention could have been the word say. Inscribe could have been the word write. And unshakable could have been replaced by firm. So before we go into the details of what makes those words better, just listen to the tone. When I say the word comprehension or I say the word knowing... There's a definite difference in tone. Comprehension, mention, inscribe, unshakable. Those are all proud words. They're big. They're highfalutin. Whereas the words knowing and say and write and firm, they're all humble. They're simple. They're earthy. They're on the ground. Whereas comprehension is sort of in the clouds. So why does simple work better? Simple words work because they go straight to the heart while thinking words have to travel through the brain for assessment. When I say the word mention, it takes a little bit longer for you to think through, okay, what did he say? He said mention. That's just a bigger way of saying the word say, right? And you're losing time. And in a song, that's not what you want. You want to go straight to the heart of the matter, and you want to get straight to the heart of your listener, not go through their brain. Second, simple words keep the focus on the meaning not on the writer's vocabulary. So when I use words like I said XYZ or I mentioned XYZ, if I say say, you don't have to think about much. You're thinking about, okay, what did he say? What's the meaning of the lyric? 
if I use the word mention, then you're starting to think about my vocabulary. Oh, the way that he said that was so interesting. But that's not what we want. We want to keep our focus on the meaning, not the writer. The writer should be hidden. The subject should be up front. And finally, simple words can be taken in at the speed of music. Thinking words are dense and distract the listener. So, think of it this way. It's an imperfect analogy, but imagine if I went through a drive-thru and for some reason I ordered coleslaw. Well, if I get to the window and the person hands me a whole cabbage, I don't thank them. I don't say, wow, this is really dense. I'm going to have a lot to chew on on my drive. I think, well, yeah, that was a lot of content, but that's not what I wanted. I needed something that, that could go a little bit faster, right? If, if you give people a whole cabbage in your song, you can't just sit back and say, well, that was very dense of me. Well, what wonderful content. No, no, no. Your job was to give them something that could be taken in at the speed of music. Songs are meant to be sung. They come at you at a certain tempo. And so if you're using so many big words that people are struggling for grip, they're trying to think through what it was that you said while the next lyric is coming, they will simply give up. It will overload the brain and you have nothing, right? You, you didn't even make yourself understood. You would have been better off by using simple words. Now, I know what some of you might be thinking. Nathan, what about the words, the very words of the song, amazing grace? Amazing is a big adjective, and grace, well, that's a huge concept. We're never going to exhaust even the idea of the word grace. I get that. Let's go on to rule number three. When using your big words, which you can use, they're not off limits, but you must pick your moment. So let's take a look at amazing grace. In amazing grace, the first thought, amazing grace, that's a big thought, that's a really big thought. But he follows up those words, those big thoughts, with small, punchy words. The rest of his lyric in that first verse never exceeds one syllable. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. It's all simple, and it's all very to the point. That is excellent contrast, because amazing grace is like a diamond in a simple golden band of a ring. So the diamond shines, and the ring is there to frame it. The ring, in this case, are those simple heart words that lets amazing grace shine. Let's take a look at Astounded in the Infinite. Comprehension, mention, passages, inscribe, unthinkable grace, unshakable faith, ineffable peace. There's no contrast there. It's just fluff. It's just a bunch of big words And unfortunately, because there was no golden band to let that diamond shine, there's no emotion in the listener. Again, the the listener can't even get with it all. It just washes over him. Okay, those are big words. And what you're left with is just an obligation to be impressed. We never actually got to the heart, and we never got to our listener and really hit them in the same way that Amazing Grace does. So let's recap. Rule number one. Don't tell the audience there are no words. Make them feel speechless. Number two, the simple word is best. That's not to say that the complicated word can never be used, but that brings us to point three. When using big words, serve them with simple words 
for contrast, like a diamond ring in a simple golden band. Hey, I hope that helps. Please hear my heart that I'm not bashing the church. I want to help the church. I want you to write a better song for your home community. In order to do that, you kind of need to not pay attention to trends and focus on what will last. And those three rules that I gave, those will last. All right, before I go, make sure to go to blueprintsounds.com and check out my 45-minute workshop, Five Elements of a Full-Sounding Worship Team. Until next week, God bless and goodbye.